0: So let's bring on our first speaker this morning. He's a renowned authority in the realm of philosophy and theology with an unwavering commitment to spiritual guidance and religious scholarship. He hails from the Abbey of St. Michael in the Diocese of Orange, California, where he serves as a Norbertine Canon and the Dean of Studies of its seminary. Father Sebastian Walsh is an esteemed alumnus of Thomas Aquinas College, the Catholic University of America, and the Pontifical University of St. Thomas at Rome, where he received a master's in sacred theology and a doctorate in philosophy. His academic journey is a testament to his pursuit of truth and knowledge. Father is not only an educator, but a well-respected author whose works, such as Always a Catholic and St. Joseph, the man closest to Christ, have made significant contributions to contemporary Catholic thought. Many of you may recognize him as a regular guest on Catholic Answers Live, where he continues to enlighten and inspire listeners. So this morning, if you're wide awake, please help us welcome to the Midwest Catholic Family Conference stage, Father Sebastian Walsh.
1: Thank you very much. So first of all, can everyone hear me, even up there in the back? Am I clear up there? Great. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Mother of Christians, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. It's a real blessing to be here with you. This is the first time I've come to the Midwest Catholic Family Conference. Years ago, they had a similar conference out in California, Long Beach, which I had been to, I think, two two times, one or two times, but um, this is the first time I've been able to be here in the Midwest in Wichita, and it's been very edifying and beautiful to see. The talk, I'm giving you is really in two parts. The first part is about how to keep your kids Catholic, how to keep them in the faith. The second part is about how to help them come back if they've left. Uh, At my parish, I help out at a parish, Our Lady of Fatima in San Clemente California, and once a month I have a question and answer period after one of the masses. I've been doing this for years, and the number one question that I get at that question and answer period goes something like this. Father, I sent my child to 12 years of Catholic education. Why did they leave the faith? They want to know, like, why are my children or why are my grandchildren no longer in the faith? It's a number one question that seems to be on the hearts and minds of Catholic parents and grandparents. So, over the years, I, you know, asking questions and finding out from each person kind of what their family life was like, I've been able to formulate a kind of a cohesive idea of here are some things you should do, here are some things you shouldn't do in order to uh, keep your kids in the faith and in order to bring them back. Now, first a caveat. This is not a 100% guaranteed product. Your children, in spite of your best efforts, will still have free will. You can't control them. You must acknowledge the fact you can barely control yourself sometimes. Even Jesus, who did everything perfectly, lost one of his apostles. So there's a mystery about free will. You can do everything right as a parent. And having kids is a risk. Because as soon as that child's born, it drags your heart around with it wherever you go, your whole life long. If your child gets sick, you're filled with sadness and suffering. If your child leaves the the faith, you're filled with anxiety about their salvation. If your child does something really good, you're filled with joy. So wherever your child goes, it drags your heart along with you. And that's a painful reality to realize that your heart's not completely in your own control. And you want to put it in your own control, but you can't. And God takes the same risk with us. When he creates us, he endows us with something called free will. And his heart goes with us wherever we go. When a kid gets old enough, I try to point this out to them. You know, your life isn't your own life. You think your life is your own life. But everything you do has a profound impact on your parents and even your grandparents. And the same is true about us, even though we're adults. Our life isn't our own life. Whatever we do, we bring the Sacred Heart of Jesus along with us. (laughs) The heart of Christ follows us along, and if we do good, his heart is filled with joy. If we do evil, his heart is inconsolable. So it's a risk. And what I'm going to tell you here will give you a lot of help in avoiding things that could cause your children to leave the faith and a lot of help with regard to the things you can do to help want them to stay Catholic. But what I'm not going to tell you is, just do steps A, B, and C, and there's no possibility your children are going to leave the faith. They're still going to have free will all this time. So I want you to recognize that. And even if you do everything right, you're still taking a risk as a parent. Nevertheless, there's certainly a lot of things you can do it will really help your kids a lot. Now, the things I'm going to tell you are not tricks. Keeping your kids Catholic is no more a trick than your, keeping your body healthy is a trick. There are certain things you gotta do as lifelong habits if you're gonna be healthy. and the same way, there are certain things you have to do as lifelong habits if you're gonna help your kids stay in the faith and help them to come back. It's not like a trick, like, oh, do this, and suddenly they'll be hypnotized and come back to the faith or something like that. Nevertheless, just as there are some things you can do that will make you sick right away, and so there's, if you want to call it tricks, for avoiding illness, so also there are some relatively easy things you can do to avoid harming your children's faith. And I will talk about those things. Now if your children stay Catholic, ultimately there's only one reason, and if they leave the faith, there's one reason, and that reason is happiness. Everything that you do in your life is for the sake of happiness. Sometimes when I I, I teach high school students and I teach them ethics, and at the beginning of the course on ethics. I have a dialogue with my students that goes something like this. So why are you sitting in my class today? Um, Because I want to get a good grade, Father. And why do you want to get a good grade? Because I want to get into a good college, Father. And why do you want to get into a good college? Because I want to get a good job, Father. And why do you want to get a good job? Because I want to make lots of money, Father. And I say, why do you want to make lots of money? And at that point, they kind of look at me as if I'm from Mars. Well, everyone wants a lot of money. I say, well, actually, no. um, I took a vow of poverty. Jesus does say, blessed are the poor. So why do you want a lot of money? Kind of takes them aback, you know. And finally, they say, because it'll make me happy. I say, oh, good. Now we have the real reason why you're doing everything in life. Every choice you make in your life is so you can be happy. Now, we'll see whether or not money makes you happy. That'll be part of our ethics class. But the important thing to see is everything we're aiming at is happiness. And very often, we spend our lives looking at the trees and missing the forest, right? Where we're not even thinking about, is this going to make me happy or not? We're more thinking in terms of, I got to get the good job, right? I knew a case of a, a girl when I was in high school, who failed a test and killed herself. Sad. She had, in her own mind, she had just connected, like, success on this test with the purpose in her life, and not even stopping back and just saying, it won't matter in, in 30 days that you didn't pass this test. But sometimes we just fixate it on the means, and we lose sight of the end, and that's happiness. So, if your children are convinced that the practice of the Catholic faith will contribute to their happiness, they will stay Catholic. There's no doubt about that. If, on the other hand, your children are convinced that being a Catholic will make them less happy, they will leave the Catholic faith, almost certainly. Okay. So that's what it comes down to. Your job as parents is to make the connection between the practice of the Catholic faith and happiness as clear as possible. That's your job as parents. And that's what I'm going to try and teach you in this talk. How to make that connection as clear as possible and how to avoid making your children associate the practice of the faith with unhappiness. Okay? Everything I tell you in this talk comes down to that. Now, there are different ways your children might associate or come to consider the practice of the Catholic faith as a cause of unhappiness. And I'll give you just a few kind of umbrella topics. One, they might develop negative associations with the practice of the Catholic faith, Okay, I often give this example. If the milk you drink, every time you drink it is spoiled milk, you might think that milk is bad. Just because you have negative associations every time you drink milk, you get bad milk, right? So you might think milk itself is bad. You never had good milk. You see that? Or whatever, whatever associations people might have, huh? And that can happen in many ways. In one way, you can have negative things happening in your family, you have a very devoutly Catholic family, and yet there's real serious family problems. <clears throat> mom and dad yell at each other all the time. Or dad's an alcoholic, and there's no affection between mom and dad. Or whatever. There might be some sort of things that are going on that cause negative associations with the practice of the Catholic faith. Okay? Another could be abuse. Abuse. We've heard too much about abuse by members of the, the clergy in the church over the years. That could be a negative association with the practice of the Catholic faith. The strange thing is, it's just because the abusers are not following the teaching of the church that the kid gets hurt, right? But nevertheless, the negative association is formed in the minds of a young person. And another way you can have negative associations is just a lack of authentic witness in your family. Your family doesn't really act like the faith is the most important thing. As a matter of fact, what really happens is it's all about money in your family, or whatever. But your kids can develop negative associations with the practice of Catholic faith. Either, you know, dysfunctional family, you know, negative emotions associated with Catholic leaders, and then finally, this idea that My parents don't really believe what they're telling me. Hmm? Another umbrella reason why your children might associate unhappiness with the practice of the Catholic faith is that the demands of the Catholic faith, especially in moral matters, are hard. They're hard demands, especially when you get to be a teenager. And young people struggling against their passions and their inclinations can really find it almost unbearable to try and practice the Catholic faith. So that's another thing I'll touch on. Then last of all, there is a umbrella reason which goes something like this. Your children become convinced that being a Catholic is a source of injustice or irrationality. They consider the church as being the cause of many injustices over history. Or, um, you know, for example, they think that the church is unjust because it doesn't ordain women, as an example, right? Um, Or that the church is unjust because they think it unfairly targets homosexual persons because it doesn't allow same sex marriage to be equal to, uh, same sex unions to be equal to marriage and whatever, okay? Also, they might think the church is anti science, right? They often pick this up in high school or in college where, The Bible looks like it's just a bunch of myths, and what you're learning in the Catholic faith is a bunch of things that are just old, you know, um, 2,000-year-old myths, and that science really has replaced and and shown us that the teachings of the Church can't possibly be true. So those are all the umbrella reasons why your children might um, associate the practice of the Catholic faith with unhappiness. So let's go back to those different reasons. First, you, as Catholic parents, have to witness to your children that being Catholic makes you happy. If you are an unhappy person, and you go about practicing your faith with bitterness and Anger, like the main thing you're constantly thinking about is, <clears throat> excuse me, is there a little water here or no? Three. There's a lot of anger or things like that in your own um, experience of practicing the Catholic faith. Thank you. Then your kids are going to have a hard time believing they'll be happy if they're, if they're practicing the Catholic faith. You often get this, even in traditional Catholic households, you know, where what they're usually hearing from their parents is one complaint after another about how everything's wrong, right? Everything's wrong. And that's not super attractive. Your kids don't want to grow up to be angry and bitter. So one of the things you have to do is, remember, you have to be happy practicing your Catholic faith. It sounds simple, but it's really what you have to do. Just stop and think about it. What does it matter that everything's going wrong in the world and the Church? Jesus Christ promised, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's your foundational reality as a Catholic. So why lose peace? Why be bitter? Why be angry, right? Instead, just say, well, things are going wrong and we have to address them and do what we can, but I have perfect confidence that Jesus is gonna make everything turn out all right I don't have confidence that I'm going to live a life that's going to be filled with triumph and joy. When Jesus told me, take up your cross daily and follow him, and Jesus' life ended on a cross, um, I pretty much expect if I follow Jesus that I should have my share of sufferings. I should share my, my cross too with Jesus, you know, he's got a cross to share with me. And, and yet, in the midst of that, we should be joyful. As St. Paul says, rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord, in hope, okay? Hope is an amazing virtue. It has this power to bring future joy into the present. I'll give you two simple examples. Um, Out in California right now, I read a little news story. It was a headline anyway. I didn't read the story, but I saw the headline. There's now a lottery that has grown to $1.25 billion, okay? it's a lot of money. And let's say you happen to be, you know, a resident of California or driving through California, God knows why, and... <laughs> and you stop to get gas, right? Because you want to get out of California as fast as you can. <laughs> and you buy it, you say, well, look at that lottery ticket. I can't afford not to buy one. So you buy a lottery ticket for a dollar and. You decide to watch the, uh, the, the little lottery show, and one by one, your numbers come up. And then the mega jackpot number, you have all the numbers. You have just won $1.25 billion, about $37 after taxes. <laughs> so, what happens at that moment? You do not have one red cent, but you jump in the air, you've got your ticket, you run around in circles, You call your tax attorney, (laughs) you call your best friend, or whatever. Anyway, you don't have any money in your pocket, but you know what you have? Hope in the state of California. (laughs) It's going to give you all that money. And that's enough to make you ecstatic with joy. Hope. Even human hope does that, okay? Another example, maybe more realistic, because most of you have experienced it. Okay, so let's say you've got a young lady, and she um, she's at work, and she's having a bad day. Her boss yells at her. You know, she's having a bad hair day. Her wardrobe doesn't work. Whatever, everything's going wrong. And her boyfriend calls her and says, "Hey, would you like to grab some dinner tonight?" So he says, sure, sure, we'll grab some dinner. And you're just about to launch into, you know, a litany of all the things that went wrong today, and suddenly, unexpectedly. He drops to one knee, produces a ring, and proposes the love of your life. And in that moment, all your sorrows vanish, and suddenly your heart is filled with joy, and all the bad things in your life disappear. And the marriage might be a year away. But the future joy was brought backwards into the present by hope by hope and the promise of a fickle young man who said he'd marry you. And after 25 years of marriage, you start to wonder, if I had killed him on my honeymoon, maybe I'd be out on parole by now. (laughs) I'm so bad, I'm sorry. We as Catholics have much better hope than that. Much better hope than winning a lottery because the promise rewarded by God is not a billion dollars, but eternal life and God's own happiness. It's not life for 50 years with a defective human person. (laughs) No. And the, the promise of God is certain, not like the state of California, not like the fickle heart of a young man, completely certain. And therefore, Catholics have every reason to be constantly filled with joy. And if you're not, it's because you don't have enough hope. And you're not being a good witness to your children. You have to live a life of hope and have that happiness. So that's step number one. Practice the faith so that your children see you have joy, in spite of the many difficulties that that we have to go through in this life. Secondly, you have to have age-appropriate helps to happiness. When your children are very little, you can't sit there and expect them to understand the beatific vision and tell them, well, it's all going to turn out all right to your three-year-old when they're crying because after all, you're going to get the beatific vision. You know, seeing God through his essence and your child will look at you and cry some more, okay? So you have to be able to help them gather positive associations with the practice of the Catholic faith, and when they're quite young, those things have to do with sensible goods, right? I often like to give this example. If you offered an ordinary three-year-old a choice between a bowl of ice cream and a fully paid-for Catholic education, (laughs) they would choose a bowl of ice cream every single time. you got to meet your children where they are. You see that? So it begins with things like this. You got a little three-year-old and you're, you know, you're trying to practice the faith or whatever else. You reward them for good behavior at mass. If you're good at mass, we're gonna get donuts after church, things like that. Um, we say a family rosary, right? You say a family rosary together. After the rosary, if you say the whole rosary, then you get a little candy or whatever else. So I, I had a friend of mine, um, from. he had a big family, 10 kids, and he would have these morning, he would have breakfast with his kids in the morning, and he would do some, he'd he'd read a little bit from the catechism, and then he'd read about a life of the saint of the day, and they'd do some morning prayers, and then he would ask his children age-appropriate questions about what he read from the catechism, from the life of the saint, you know, and then if they got the question right, he'd give them like a little treat or whatever else, just simple stuff like that, right? A word of praise, a little treat, just little things like that, positive associations. And then when, um, when his kids got to be the age for the sacraments, right? You know, for example, their first confession. You know, it's a special moment. You want your kids to have a really positive association of the sacrament of confession. So number one, you find a good priest who's kind and gentle and works well with kids, okay? good, good priest is kind and gentle, okay? And doesn't look scary, you know? And uh, so you arrange a little appointment with that priest so you can have your child go for their first confession. Okay? And in this one family that I know, they would make a special deal of it. Mom or dad would take the child there and, and would, uh, of course, they instruct the kid on how to make their good confession. And then they would wait in the church while the child made their confession. And after the confession, they'd give their child a big hug, and they'd come home and they would celebrate with a the family. They have a big party for their first confession. And the same thing for their first communion, right? And similarly, as you get older, okay? Now, when your kids are little, you know, like seven years old and younger, it's largely just um, sensible goods. You know what I mean? Ice cream, things like that. Warm hugs. As they get a bit older, the the positive associations have to come from things like words of praise and encouragement, and saying how proud you are of them, that's really important for teenagers, okay? Teenagers, for the most part, mis- misbehave, and therefore, for the most part, they hear words of criticism from their parents, okay? It's true, okay? And that's okay. You're going to have to give your children correction, okay? But sometimes parents forget to give them words of praise when they do what's right and good, okay? And that's really important see how proud you are when you see them practicing their faith and and doing things that they should be doing, okay? Now, you have to avoid certain things in your family, and like I said, these can cause negative associations, the practice of the faith. One trap that devout Catholic parents often fall into goes like this. It is rare that a husband and wife have the exact same level of devotion of their practice of the Catholic faith. Usually one spouse is more devout than the other. It's extremely rare that they're both kind of equal and they both practice faith with the same level of intensity and devotion, OK? And so the temptation is for the more devout spouse to protect their children from the less devout spouse, OK? This is a really common phenomenon. So it goes something like this. Um, Your dad isn't the sort of Catholic he should be. Don't be like your father. Okay? That's the sort of thing that your kids will hear. Now, what happens in the mind of your 14-year-old son or daughter when they hear that? Well, they think to themselves, the fact that mom or dad is a strong Catholic drives a wedge between them and their marriage. I always see mom or dad criticizing each other. You know, the the more Catholic one is criticizing the less Catholic one. And every time they talk about the faith, they fight. And it's always criticism on how they're not good enough. So in the mind of your children, The Catholic faith drives their parents apart. Why on earth would your children want that religion? A religion that drives their parents apart. So don't do that. It's a common mistake, and so many people make it. You know what the Catholic faith actually does teach you? St. Paul says, the believing husband sanctifies the unbelieving wife. The believing wife sanctifies the unbelieving husband. That's what the Catholic faith teaches us. So, what should your children see? Your children should see that the more devoutly Catholic you are, the more attention, love, affection, fidelity you show to your spouse. They don't hear you constantly criticizing your spouse. Your children will see the disparity or discrepancy in the practice of the faith. If your husband or your wife doesn't go to church, don't point that out to your children as, as, you know, don't be like that. Instead, say to your children, your father is a really good man. He gave you life and, you know, right now he's got to work through his own faith. So pray for your dad. You know, I love your dad and, and, I have to be the best example I can. If I were the best example of being a good Catholic wife, he would want to practice the faith more. Or the same thing, you know, you got to love your mom. She gave you life. And if I were a better husband and more faithful to being a Catholic, if I were a saint, then my wife, your mom, would really want to be a Catholic more. So I've got to work on myself, and you just pray for your mom. Those are the kinds of words you tell your children about your spouse when your spouse isn't fully practicing the faith. Faith is a gift. Right? And it's important to recognize that. So that's an important thing. Now there are other things too. I mean, things that are obvious you know, and, and sometimes you get families where everybody's a traditional Catholic and you know they have their hands like this and they wear the mantilla and they're kneeling bolt upright during the whole service at mass And but dad's an alcoholic and there's no affection between mom and dad and And the children learn the practice of faith and it's all about fear. They're just frightened all the time, you know? Um, So you just can't have a love and a desire for that in the heart of a child. They're never gonna associate happiness with the practice of their faith if it's constantly associated with fear. Like, I'm afraid I'm gonna go to hell. I'm afraid of being rejected by my parents. I'm afraid of disappointing my parents this constant sense of fear in the heart of a child is not gonna help them to wanna stay Catholic when they get of age themselves, right? So it's really important that you gotta stress doing good more than avoiding evil. St. Thomas Aquinas, he actually asked that question. He says, is it more important in the moral life to do good or to avoid evil? And he says, it's more important to do good than to avoid evil. You know, so take a simple example. Um, let's say your child is, is uh, worried that they may have committed a serious sin. You know, maybe they were thinking about an impure thought or something like that. And, and in their anxiety, they, they think to themselves, well, I'm not sure I committed a serious sin. I was kind of struggling with that thought, so I don't think it, for sure it was a serious sin. But I better not go to communion because I don't want to be punished by God. Let's see what their mindset is. Their mindset is, Avoid evil at all costs. It never even occurs to them, the other half. Being united to Jesus in Holy Communion brings great joy to the heart of Jesus. The doing good part is just kind of lost on them. So as parents, you have to help your children to do good and to focus on doing good more than avoiding evil. So many times I get Catholic teenagers who say, yeah, I left the Catholic faith because it's a bunch of thou shalt nots. Well, i like to point out, you no, know, the first commandment is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. The Catholic faith is first and foremost a thou shalt. It's about loving God, huh? loving God with your whole heart, okay? So that's really important. And then you have to be an authentic witness yourself, right? So you practice the faith, you do all those things that you're supposed to do, okay? One subtle way that we don't practice the Catholic faith is that we ourselves give to worldly values. You know, if, if in your household you spend a lot of time thinking about how to get more money to become wealthy. And you stress wealth a lot in your household. So that your kids see, in spite of what you say, the most important thing in life is getting ahead and having a lot of money and having a nice house and having nice things. You're not seeking first the kingdom of God. You're just not, OK? I um, I graduated from Thomas Aquinas College, and, um, I remember I brought a bunch of high school kids from our abbey. We had a high school in our abbey. And I brought a bunch of them to visit Thomas Aquinas College, a little, small liberal arts college in California, um, where sin abounds, grace abounds the more. So um, those kids went in to listen to a talk by one of the uh, founders of the college, a guy named Ron MacArthur, who was a real saintly man and a great man. And one of them asked him, he said, well, how can I make money with this education? And I thought he was going to go into this long thing about, you know, what true happiness means and how a life pursuing wisdom gives you happiness much more than any amount of financial money or anything like that. He didn't do anything like that. He looks at the kid and he just says, that's not Christian. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Simple. That's just not Christian. If the first thing you're seeking is money, if the first question you're asking yourself about where I go to college is, how can I make more money? You're just not being a Christian. Where in the scriptures does it say, seek first money? The most important thing in your life is money. Where does it say that? Nowhere. It says it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. That's what it says. So you gotta seek first the kingdom of God. Okay? It's really important. I always tell the kids: by the way, all these graduates of Thomas Aquinas College, they have like eight, ten kids. They're not they figured it out. They figured it out. They're not wealthy, but they got enough money in life. God provides. Okay. A few other things here. Um when your children struggle with the demands of the faith, for example, um, the demands of chastity when they get into their teenage years, remind them that God is merciful. And there's this wonderful sacrament called the Sacrament of Confession. And G.K. Chesterton on one occasion said, it's not that the Catholic faith has been tried and found wanting, it's that it's been found hard and left untried. You know. And so you got to encourage your kids and just say, you got to realize, we're all sinners. There's only one criteria for membership in the Catholic Church. And that one criteria is confess your sins. You have to admit you're a sinner. If you admit you're a sinner, you are welcome in the Catholic Church. It doesn't matter what you've done. So get your children used to the idea of trying their best and failing. And then get to confession, start over, seek the mercy of God. And in my ministry as a priest, I've had people go from you wouldn't believe where they came starting out in confession to practically scrupulous and, you know, so careful about, like, the details of their moral life in just a few years. It can really happen, okay? So encourage your kids when they're struggling with the moral part and and ask them to open up. Dads, talk to your sons, right? Just say, look, son, it's going to be hard. Go to confession frequently. I'll help you out. Don't get discouraged, okay? It's really important. Um, Anti-justice, anti-science. This is another reason why your kids will think that the Catholic faith is, is not going to be making them happy, okay? And without getting into too much detail, the best thing you can do for your kids on this front is make sure that they get an authentic Catholic education. Authentic. So my dad was a chemistry major at Notre Dame in the 1950s. This is the flagship Catholic university in the country in the heyday of the Catholic faith in the United States. Do you know what he was taught by the priests at Notre Dame in the 1950s? There is no devil, there is no hell, and the only thing you need to get to heaven is to feed poor people. That was exactly what he heard from his priests at Notre Dame in the 1950s. I don't know how Notre Dame is now. I hope it's better. But don't, whatever you do, don't assume just because a school has the name Catholic and the reputation Catholic that it is Catholic. Do your homework. When I hear people say, I sent my child to 12 years of Catholic education. Why did they leave the faith? I tell them you are a victim of false advertising. There are really good Catholic schools out there. I told you about the school I went to, Thomas Aquinas College is an amazing Catholic school. They have one on the west coast, they have one on the east coast, nothing in the middle, sorry, but it's a wonderful school. There are other great schools out there too, lots of wonderful Catholic schools you can find, but do your homework and make sure you don't let, quote, Catholic schools steal your children's faith. I've just seen it too many times, And in my experience, it's been the number one reason why kids leave the Catholic faith in their college years. Okay, there's so much more I could say, but I do want to close with this. When it comes to bringing your children back, don't panic, respond well, okay? Remember the parable of the prodigal son. If your children are having problems, don't cut them off. Help them, okay? Now if your kid asks for drug money, don't give it to him. But if your kid's on drugs and he asks for money for food, that's fine. Imagine if God refused to give us the things that we need because we misuse his gifts. How many times have we misused our bodies in our life, our eyesight, our hearing, the things we've done? If God just immediately cut us off, every time we sinned, we'd be in a sad place. God's not that kind of father. So don't be that kind of parent to your children, okay? Be patient with them, okay? Don't panic. Remember also, your children do not have amnesia. If If your children do something wrong, they don't need to hear it from you over and over and over again, okay? Tell your children once. I had a a young man who came to me for spiritual direction, and um, I f- at one point I figured it sounded like he was living with his girlfriend. He didn't tell me, but just things he had said made me think of it, so I just asked him point blank. I said, are you living with your girlfriend? kind of looked down and said, yes, I am, Father. And I said, look, I'm only going to say this once, and I explained to him why it was bad, it was going to be harmful to any potential marriage, how it was, it was bad for his moral life and bad for her moral life, and... And, um, and I said, and I'm not going to bring this up again unless you want to talk about it, okay? I love you. I will still treat you the same way as I've always treated you, but I had to say this for your good, okay, son? He's like, okay, father, like that. Six months went along. Nothing seemed to change. And one day he just comes up to the Abbey, and he says, i got to talk to you. I said, what is it? He says, I moved out. Gave him a big hug. I said, I'm so proud of you, son. He said, thanks for giving me the space to be able to do that, you know? He just needed the moral courage to be able to kind of get there, okay? Last of all, God loves your children more than you love your children. Have faith in that. Believe that. I'm going to end with a story. There's a friend of mine. I met her when we were teenagers. Her name was Cynthia. Cynthia was a convert to the Catholic faith. We were both friends with a big Catholic family in Pasadena. And, um, Turns out, Cynthia, after she got married and had kids, brought one of her kids to our summer camp at the Abbey, and she said, do you remember my grandmother? I said, sure, I remember her. She said, she's 100 years old now, and her her health is failing. I was hoping you'd go and talk to her about the the faith. She had been very anti-Catholic, so I went and I talked to her about the faith. And she said, my grandmother's been having this recurring dream that she's invited to a party and she can't go. So I said, OK. And I said, tell me about the dream. And she explained it. And I said, the dream means that you're invited to heaven, but you can't go because you're not a baptized Catholic. And she said, oh. I said, would you like to be Catholic? She said, that would be nice. Who <laughs> was it. So the next day, she was baptized, confirmed. She went to communion once, and she died. End of the faith at 100 years old. When she was baptized, she said, my mother would be so happy. And her granddaughter said, why, Grandma? You've always been anti-Catholic. I know, but I never told you. My mother was a devout Catholic, but my father was an atheist. He forbid us from practicing the faith. All those years, that mother prayed and never saw her daughter move towards the Catholic faith. And at the age of 100, God brought her into the church. Not only that. But Cynthia's mother on her her deathbed was baptized. And then Cynthia's brother, I personally baptized before he had major surgery. Every single one of the descendants of that poor woman whose husband forbade her to practice the faith all died Catholic. So my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, have hope in God. He's gonna make things work out. Pray and don't worry. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. St. Joseph. Now, I was supposed to bring a bunch of these books to sell, but I forgot. So, if you want a book that talks about this in kind of in greater detail, this is the book, it's called Always a Catholic from Catholic Answers there. So, you can go online and get it online from... Catholic Answers or from Amazon, whatever. So anyway, it's just called Always a Catholic if you want more information about that. God bless you all.